Hello, and welcome to Leading Community Colleges in California, a podcast that goes in-depth with California's most effective leaders in higher education in the largest public sector of higher education in the United States, California Community Colleges. I'm your host, Larry Galizio, President and CEO of the Community College League of California. In this episode of Leading Community Colleges in California, we speak with Santa Monica College and League Trustee Board member, Barry Snell, a certified public accountant and business leader with extensive experience in civic engagement in the Santa Monica and Malibu region of Southern California. We cover everything from the benefits of community college, his philosophy of leadership, to the music of Earth, Wind, and Fire. Please join us. So Trustee Barry Snell from Santa Monica College, thank you for joining us on Leading Community Colleges in California. Thank you, Larry. I'm looking forward to being here and talking with you. I appreciate it. All right, so I have to start with this. In doing a little research, I saw a great video of you doing commencement address at Santa Monica College and they the introductory music was Earth Wind and Fire and uh, House of Fire was a song which is a great song so that my first penetrating difficult question is what's your favorite song by Earth Wind and Fire it was that's the way of the world and they are my favorite artists of all time and uh I have to tell you a little backstory on it I didn't let anybody know I just got with our our recording folks, my background folks, and asked them to run it. Dr. Jeffries didn't know and anyone else didn't know. <laughs> Bill, to our understanding, we recorded the song a little bit longer than we were supposed to, and it shut off the entire broadcast of the <laughs> graduation program oh. because of putting it on the airway. So it was, <laughs> it was great. Uh, I got the crowd going. And I've been told I can't do that anymore without letting someone know. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, well, I would, first of all, apologies to Earth, Wind and Fire and all the fans for getting the title of the song wrong. I was doing the, I was doing the chorus, not the title of the song. So thank you for that. Uh, I feel terrible uh, because I love that song. Uh, Shining Star is also a great song. But anyway, uh, so that, that is very funny. I would encourage all trustees all CEOs, everyone in the United States to watch the video. It's very short. It's about five minutes, but it's it's wonderful. And it looks like that was a lot of fun. And I'm sure the, the uh, graduating class appreciate it. Yeah. No, That's it was great. Problem. It was okay. great. So, again, thank you. Thank you for being here. So, for uh, what we'd like to do on this podcast is not only talk about what's happening now at Santa Monica College and, and your outlook on things, but also we like to find out about Back, your background and, and, you know, what led you to where you are now professionally and, and you're obviously very engaged uh, civically in Santa Monica and the surrounding areas. And so excited to get to that. But uh, if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about you know, where you grew up and, and uh, how you, how you got to California. So, so Larry, I, I, I was born and raised in East Orange, New Jersey, grew was born in Newark um, and grew up in East Orange. And so I, my earlier part of my life, that's where I grew up on the East Coast. Um, my mom and dad, uh, my dad was an engineer with Bell Labs. And also my mom was um, 
a school secretary in our local school. So our background and our family was education first, I mean, always. Dad mm-hmm. was, a matter of fact, I remember in high school, my dad was finishing up his college uh, engineering career um, degree while we were, so we were studying together. So huh. Snell family was one that education was important. Um, be that being said, my, I being the oldest of three, I was the first one off to college, uh, and I went to Morehouse. I went to Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, college that's an all-black male, historically black college, all-black male college, uh, where at the time, in the late, the early 70s, was a time, right, I called myself a, a child, a product of the 60s, because after all the civil rights movement in the 60s, the businesses, particularly the accounting offices, were looking for accountants and came down to Morehouse and we had jobs available. So my profession as a CPA was an easy avenue into the big eight accounting firm out of Morehouse. And I attribute that to what happened in the 60s because it required businesses to give us an opportunity, that's um, African-Americans, an opportunity to be into um larger corporations. So I landed after Morehouse with a CPA firm called Coopers and Library. At the time, it was the big eight accounting firm. Mm-hmm. I went to their New York office. Um, a national, international CPA firm. And um, I walked into the firm, Larry, with my big afro. <laughs> imagine 79, walking into a national CPA firm in New York City with an afro. <laughs> or dressed to the nines. I had yeah, my yeah. eye on, but I had an afro. And so obviously it was distinctive and I was out of, <laughs> out of place. But anyway, I uh, I cut my cut my teeth in a national CPA firm. Um, thankfully enough, I had a father that had been in corporate America for some time. So I had someone to be able to fall back on to discuss issues because I really felt out of place at the firm. Uh, I, I was a pretty good student, but I thought I had learned a different accounting at, at Morehouse because I didn't understand the politics of big corporations and the culture that I wasn't used to. I wasn't used to uh, playing golf at the time and working long hours and working, going to country clubs and having a first-class type of uh, environment but also having to work long, long hours and yeah. do work and to negotiate. So but you, were in your, you were in your 20s. I was, so I was 22 years old, man. Wow. Okay, that's 1979, 80, 1980. So it was really an introduction. Um, you know, I don't have to tell you that I was the only African-American in my office and at that time. And, um, but, but. I remember my dad telling me, find someone that thinks like you and has some interest like you and follow that person. And I did. I found a manager in that firm that really took me under his his wing and really showed me the ropes. After my third year there, I walked into his office and said, you know, I'm tired of living in the cold weather. Is there a place that you can send me to? And he said, you know, the only place we have is Century City, California. Never been to California before. Didn't know where I was going. I fall into Century City, California. 
And I thought I had died and went to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I have to tell you the, uh, I started working at the firm very shortly there and then left and went with a regional firm. Uh, by that time I had my CPA as a, as a CPA. And I, I went after when I went with a regional firm called Gersey and Schneider and company, and they were a litigation firm primarily in the area. And I went and got my master's in taxation from Golden Gate at that time, mm-hmm. working with the firm. So that was my background. Um, Coming into California, I'm sitting there with my CPA and my master's in taxation and realized um, you know, at some point I would want to do this and have my, my own business. And uh, the opportunity came about four years after moving to the regional firm that I had an aunt in New Jersey that went down to Atlantic City and won a million dollars. And I was her only nephew that was a CPA. And she wanted me to handle her money. All right. And so I started my practice with my aunts <laughs> as my client. Um, and okay, I, so I, this is, I, I, I'm sure anyone listening to this, how did she win a million dollars? She went down on a senior citizen trip to the casinos and put $14 in the slot machine and won a million dollars. And I know. That's Larry, fantastic. She was on Social Security, never drove before, and was over 65. And she didn't have a heart attack. Didn't have a heart attack. All she wanted to do was keep gambling. Yeah. All right. That's all she told me. So <laughs> I, I started my practice with my first client being my aunt. Um, and I have now been in practice for over 30 years on my own. So with respect to my, so that's kind of my background. Um, with, with respect to my uh, interest in getting into the area of education, as I said, my parents were big believers of being educated. Uh, my dad's claim to fame was to uh, be able to burn two uh, home mortgages in his lifetime, which means that he paid them all off. Yeah. They have history. History go three for three, finish college and have their masters. Yep. All three students. I'm I'm sure he was, you know, he's no longer with us, but that was what he was proud of. And so mm-hmm. my emphasis with my children were the same. At the time, I had um I went through a difficult divorce and my kids were very young. They had three of them. Mm-hmm. So I made the offer to my ex-wife to move into Santa Monica and take them out of private schools so that um, we could deal with the finances and they would still have a good education because it was a good public school. I found myself as a little father of three sitting in PTA meetings in Santa Monica. And uh, that's where my second job began. Wow. I got an interest. I realized, you know, that I realized that, that in the public education system, and there's nothing wrong with it, but it's dominated by females from a PTA level, from, I mean, from the most part, you know, from the advocacy level and that kind of, it's predominantly females that are, are making the decisions. And not that they're not making good decisions, they're making excellent decisions, but there wasn't enough of a male, um, males at the table discussing issues that affect um, children, particularly male children, and particularly male children of color. 
Mm-hmm. But I saw that I was in a community that cared about, it, that really, really wanted to figure out to change that dynamic, change that discussion, you know, be a, a public school for all students, no matter how they came in. And I felt that with the people I was sitting down with at the PTA meeting and at the school board meeting. So I, I got off my couch and ran for school board and won well, for the K through 12. And that's, that was my entry into it. I spent four years on the K through 12 district, came off the four years out of it and decided to run for the college district to follow my three children who went to Santa Monica college. Oh, okay. And they all three, they all went to Santa Monica College. Um, they all had, it was really interesting. I told, told a story. I had a, I had one getting out in two years, one taking classes for five years, and one on probation, all in the same household. So, <laughs> so, so you saw it all. I saw it all, all right? Uh, you know, they're both, they're all three grown now with jobs and degrees with themselves, but with the inroads for each of them, my oldest is a, ocean lifeguard on the beach and my middle son is an investment banker and my daughter is a manager of a Y in North Carolina. So they all have their degrees. They all found their path. Mm-hmm. But if it wasn't for Santa Monica College, um, I don't believe they would have had the nurturing to be able to go out and and prepare themselves to be um, you know, good citizens and be valuable community members. So I'm proud of Proud of that, and I've been with the college now for over two terms. Um, I'm getting ready to seek my third term in November, so that's kind of my story. Wow! All right, that's wonderful that's kind of my story. And just to add to it, yeah. five years ago I got married again, and I have a 15 year old at Santa Monica College at at Semo High. because uh, my wife had two children uh, prior, and so we're this blended, loving family that. Uh, uh, really making it happen in Santa Monica. Oh, that's fantastic. What a great story. So right. it, yeah, the college for you with your, your, your three children going through, I mean, talk about uh, being engaged, involved, and, and really be, being able to recognize the the strengths and, and certainly some of the challenges, but that's phenomenal. Yeah. So that's kind of my story. I, I mean, I, I really feel blessed and thankful for being a community that that does care uh, about education. I, I mean, that is, you know, that's my inroad to everyone I talk to or everybody I mentor. I mean, I saw I I see the profession that was predominantly male, predominantly white in the public accounting industry. Mm-hmm. However, even in that concern and and, and somewhat. That's someone very conservative, which mm-hmm. we all have to be. And I I knew that I wasn't the mold going in. Mm-hmm. I learned the traits, but I also was able to develop my own pathway so that now that I develop my own business to be able to have clients that relate to me and I relate to them, I can articulate the technical aspects of my profession to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. I think that's the reason I say that, I think it's important in our educational system too, because everyone comes to our door differently. Right. And our goal as you know, teachers, as administrators, as trustees, 
is to be able to show them the way, to give them the opportunity to find their path, whatever that is. So with, with everything that they bring to the table, we have to be able to say, you know what? We have something for them that will allow them to, to reach their goals. And that's why I love community college. I never went to community college myself, but I saw what, what it did for my three. Um, you know, at the time, I wasn't able to travel a whole lot. I was a single father. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my, my three children met their schoolmates from other countries coming to Santa Monica College. And my son traveled to Switzerland with one of his friends. My other oh. son went to Brazil with another one of his wow. friends. And these are all students that were in Santa Monica. So, you know, we forget about those relationships that we cultivate in all our community colleges. I mean, and that's, you know, I'm a prime example of it. I just love what my kids and their social groups. And it was because of the opportunities that were right on the campus around the corner. Yeah. And so that, and I, and my understanding is Santa Monica College, particularly as a a robust international student program. Obviously, the pandemic has has created all kinds of very very challenging circumstances. Yeah. But but think about that. You you go to that's remarkable. And and the education that you get from even if you don't go to Switzerland or Brazil, but just being able to to learn from compare your culture to their the you know, other cultures. That's that's a great. So I, I uh, one question I have. Um, so how did you get into, uh, were you always interested in math or how, why, why did you study I was, accounting? I was, I was a horrible math student. Oh. I was one of the worst math students growing up in high school. I always sat next to the smarter people. But you know what? I have to be honest with you. I always thought my career path would be law. But after I, as I was getting out of Morehouse, mm-hmm. I said, you know what? I'm not prepared to go get my master or my law degree right now. I've had you know, period of time in school that I like to go out and work. So I opened up, uh, opened up the newspaper. This was my sophomore year, actually. Uh-huh. And when I realized, and I saw that the jobs for accountants were just abundant. And I went to my professor in accounting at that time. And then I remember Dr. Hughes, she told me, Dr. Hughes uh-huh. said to me, Barry, if you want to go into the accounting profession, you have to be a senior. I said, you know what? Okay, Doc. She said, because, because you have the personality that you're not going to want to be just a normal, everyday bookkeeper. You mm-hmm. have to be able to meet that goal. And so after my sophomore year, my gear was towards becoming a CPA, going into the accounting profession, and being at the school that we were in, the opportunity afforded itself because, because all the big eight firms came down to seek us and open up jobs for us. It really wasn't that it really wasn't that we were any smarter than any other student in any other college. It was what that they needed African Americans to come into their corporations. And it's really funny because we only had 15 individuals in our senior class at the degrees, and nine of us went to big eight firms. I mean that's 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 really, remarkable. I mean yeah. I know and it was it was because the need was there. Yeah. Them, the pressure was on. And then I and I followed a couple of my, my college roommates. Three of us, you know, went on and got our CPA. Others went into other areas of banking. Mm-hmm. 
that's the nice thing about my profession that you don't have to always stay in the accounting profession, but you are the nuts and bolts. So any kind uh-huh. of company that comes your way, you get to see everything about it. I mean, mm. that's why you see a large com- a lot of companies being run by people that have accounting backgrounds. Yeah, it is fundamental. It's essential. Uh, but but it's, yeah, uh, think about all the, the overlooked talent because there was not a lack of opportunity. So Simple. Uh, that's, yeah. You know, we'll, and we'll get into it a little bit, Larry, but this is the other reason why, you know, I love being on the state board and being, you know, on the diet uh, because, you know, what we're doing now with our DEI programs and, and how we're talking and discussing about how we want to show not only our community college, but the rest of the state, what diversity, equity, inclusion really means. Okay. I mean, not just saying the word, but actually showing the actions. We're, we're doing that kind of work. That's the kind of work we're all doing. We're all mm-hmm. doing. Nobody has all the answers, right. but we do have, we do have the energy and the initiative to want to make those changes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, so just going back to something that you said uh, about the PTA and, yeah. and uh, you know, even now at, at the college level, nationally, not just community colleges, but the percentage of women versus men and then uh, men of color, I mean, there's a really disproportionate number of women. Uh, you know, typical college has probably 55% uh, women, stu- undergraduate students, and maybe 45% male. And then the numbers of, I mean, obviously excluding HBCUs or, or, right. or a place like Morehouse, but, uh, the, you know, and then the, with the pandemic, we've seen these numbers uh, even exacerbated where uh, African American and Black male uh, students, uh, the the numbers are shrinking, and so what what are I just would you know what are some of your thoughts about why, and then what Santa Monica College might be you know doing, or or what you think needs to be done to do a better job at both uh, garnering interest working with supporting and doing a better job for uh, especially black and African-American male students? That's a good question. A real good question, Larry, because um, it's a question that I continue to, to ask to my other um, black male counterparts that are working. How do we engage? How do we, um, how do we show that, you know, what we're offering from the community college level are our programs and, um, and and information that will allow them to better themselves in the community. And I really think it, it takes um, you know it takes one day at a time. We, we've got you know we've got these programs that you know we've achieved at the college and at the state level, which is is bringing. Um, some of our black male students out to talk about, you know, what their issues are. We at the college, we have our own uh, men's group that we're sitting around, and I, I'm part of, and the other African American professors and 
and athletic directors and those individuals in those positions are having these smaller meetings to allow um, to allow these students to be able to be comfortable to talk about their issues. Not an easy answer. And what I mean by that is um, there are many there are many black students that want to come to school that mm-hmm. real, but don't know how and don't have the support systems right. to be able to get them to that level. So what we have to do, what I've said even on our diets at Santa Monica, that we have to go out and seek them. We have to we have to get out of our comfort zone, okay, and and individually, and it's not going to be um, overnight change, but we have to be able to go out and say, you know what, what are you looking for? What do you need? We have those things and we can help. And that's what we're doing at, at Santa Monica College. You're right. We all have gone through it. We're going through a difficult time where just in community colleges as a whole, you know, our 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 rate of students has gone down tremendously, yeah. um, particularly with our international population. So it behooves us, and I've said this to go out to our local areas and seek those students that were here, that find out why they, they're not coming back and what we can do to support them coming back. So that's what I'm hoping we're doing. It's not an easy answer. I, I, I think about it. I, mean, I think about in my own household. Uh, I, I, like I said, I have three of my own. My, my boys, my boys had a father in their household. Okay, they had a mother in their household to be able to to guide, to be able to uh, encourage, and and to. Um, challenge but also reward their successes and i think that's what um we at the college have to be surrogate parents in some way to do the same thing for students that don't have that Mm -hmm. um you know i never knew that you know my oldest i told you is an ocean lifeguard i never knew that the opportunities of a la county ocean lifeguard would be so prosperous Okay, you wouldn't think about that if your child said, you know, I love to swim and I just want to be a lifeguard. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, the parents' first reaction is, okay, but am I going to make a lifetime of that? Well, he's part of the L.A. County Life Department. He's, you know, he's probably one of the best in shape watermen that I know. He earns a, a living that's incomparable for, for a fire department with a pension. Fantastic. And, you know, he he finished his 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 core courses at at Santa Monica College, but after that, he hasn't he's gotten his you know his EMT and his his all these certificates for diving, and he's got a really great life as as a lifeguard and one that you know he can retire at fifty with a really nice pension because it's part of the LA County Fire Department. Well, as a parent. Initially, I was like, I don't know if I wanted him to take that route. Yeah, right. But you know what? I'm envious of him right now when I see him <laughs> getting out there <laughs> with, with the amazing shape he has. He's a true waterman, and it's not a bad job sitting on a chair in the summer with what we see in Santa Monica Beach. <laughs> so, <laughs> when he goes into action, and I've seen him save lives, that's the other aspect of it. That's the other aspect. He's saving lives. Yeah. And he has saved lives. Yeah, of course. So how do you measure that? 
how do you, you know, is that, you know, you don't always measure it based on, you know, the amount of money you have. You measure it on the quality of your life. And man, I tell him every day, but he, I said, his quality of life is unreal, okay? So that, for me, and I, you know, I'll bring it around to your question, that that's the kind of, that's the kind of support we have to give those students that you're talking about to understand their vision, help mold it, not criticize it, but see where we can support it and understand that they have to they have to put the work in. I mean, my son put the work in to be a lifeguard. Yeah. He's an amazing swimmer. Yeah. He, you know, he stayed off drugs. He, you know, he went to bed at night and got up to swim 5,000 yards early in the morning. Yeah. Now, and at some point, and we all know this, whatever the profession is, at some point, the light bulb comes on with you and it's just your passion, whatever that is. And that's what we have to get them to that level. Because, you know, I don't have to tell him now to get up and go swim. Yeah. And, and it's automatic. It's automatic. Okay. He's telling me, Dad, you need to come work out with me. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so those are the things that, you know, you know, they all worked in my practice. They all saw what their dad did. Um, you know, my middle son is, a, you know, is an investment banker and, you know, with a small investment banker. And he's, uh, you know, he's got his certified financial planning certificate. So he's, you know, these are things that, you know, I wouldn't have thought of much when I was raising them, maybe financial planning stuff a little bit, but sure. but these are things that they are doing and it's all because of the guidance of their mom and I and the help of Santa Monica College to give them that time to be able to figure it out and for them to do, do it. And uh, so that that's my answer to you about other other black males and that is a, a core um, example of what we at the college are trying to do. Uh, and I think all colleges need to focus on it that where they see those cohorts that are not being successful, then we have to put all the medicine, all the energy in that cohort because right, raising that level or that particular group raises everyone. It, yep. it just does. It, it does. does. It just yeah. does. We Absolutely. know that. Yeah. So I know this is could be a could be a dissertation, but what are what are some of the uh, differences that are important that you notice between you serving on a K twelve uh, school board, public school board, versus where you are now at, at the community college, or are there more similarities than differences? Well, the, the main similarity is that we're all, all trying to educate the product. I mean, mm -hmm. differences are that, um, you know, on the K through 12, um, you have you have parents that have to, um, that you have to listen to and help guide to get the best out of their students. Whereas with the community college, we don't have that. We don't have that portion. We don't have to worry about dealing with parents. Um, on the other hand, uh, at the community college level, it's easy for our students, our products to say, you know what, I want to take a break, all right, because of, you know, whatever going on personally, I have to make that front and center. 
Mm-hmm. So we've done things, you know, to, and we all at the community college level to help with that, you know, with food shortages, with our housing program, with, you know, getting more um, time with respect to tutors, all the, all these fun, you know, reducing fees if we could in some ways, all these type of mechanisms to support those students because the reality of it is, is that most of our students have so many other responsibilities. Mm-hmm. But Larry, I talk about this all the time. The one thing that my dad did for us, and I'm sure a number of us, from when I say us, my brother and sister, is I didn't have to worry about a job. I know it was a long time ago and fees were a lot less. Yeah. But I didn't have to worry about a job or where I lived. I just had to worry about making sure I had good grades. Yeah, that was your job. That was my job. Well, that's not that's not yeah. the uh, formula for our students at the college. Right. Right. We can't even expect. I would love to have that formula. As a matter of fact, I would love to get to that point again where I could say to all our students, you know, all you have to worry about is being a good student. That's it. Everything else in these four years or these two years that we're with you, we're going to make sure that those those means are kept, you know, substantial, and you have to give back to us the best you can be as a student. I mean, yeah, like it is for the majority of Ivy League students and and others Mm -hmm. who are going to the most well-funded universities. uh, Often, their parents are in that kind of situation where it's just, hey, you do do internships, uh, do join clubs, uh, travel. Just get good grades. Get good grades. You get good grades. And we, you know, so that is not our formula for our students. I get it. Um, I love the fact from a community college level, we all talk about it all the time as to how we can support those things. Um, I, you know, I, I think that going through this pandemic for all of us at the community college level, now that we have two schools, our virtual school and our on you know, on ground schools, mm-hmm. I mean, that is probably the way of our future for, for many, many years to come. And I don't think, you know, we, we talk about the negative things about the pandemic, but actually that is something that's probably good about the pandemic because it forced us to learn how to, to serve our students in a different yeah. form. It, yep. You know, it, it pushed us into it. We have yeah. to, we, whether we, I mean, yeah, we would no be a lot longer if we didn't have to have that situation. But you know what? Now we're going to be able to offer something that we couldn't offer before for those students that couldn't be on ground. Okay. Yep. And, and, you know, that's, that's great. I mean, I, I find it great. I mean, I, obviously it's difficult to for change for people to learn. We're all learning. We're all trying to figure stuff out. If it doesn't work, let's go ahead and fix it. But, Overall, I think it's a good thing that we do have two ways of servicing our students now. I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from a theoretically, from a convenience standpoint, if you're if you're a parent and you're a student, uh, or even if you're just a student and you work graveyard shift, yeah, just allowing that some degree of flexibility, and it does seem as if what I'm hearing statewide is a lot of students are doing hybrid 
where they'll they'll take a couple classes online. They're taking a class or so uh, on the campus. And it is a challenge though for the institutions because now you have to have virtual counseling as well as on and ground. And we're trying to do the best we can to make certain that the legislation, the, the legislators know that that's a challenge that we have. That is the challenge. That is the challenge, but I think we'll meet the challenge. Um, I, for one, was the type of student that did so much better going to class and being in that situation. I didn't have the option. I'm not a person that really likes the virtual setting as much as we use it these days. On the other hand, it's a different time, and we at the college need to, as I said, we always need to change to meet our students' needs. And it, it appears that our students are moving towards it quicker than we are in certain instances. And so yes. we have to be prepared and available to it. And uh, I'm, I'm okay with, with having the discussions to figure it out. That's what yep. we should be doing. Sure. So what are, what are some things that people might not know about Santa Monica College, uh, right? Obviously, probably the majority of people who listen to this podcast perhaps have not never set foot on the campus, um, and maybe they have a little bit of familiarity, but are there, any, you know, what, what are some things that are significant to you about the college that stand out or things that you've learned in, in, in your work as a trustee there? Um, um, what I, what I want to have learned, and I don't know, I, I don't know if this is something similar to all community college, but, um, we have, as I came in, you know, over 10 years ago, um, over 11 years ago, uh, uh, a staff that's dedicated, which is, they love staying there, which is a good thing. Um, but the other factor is, is that. You know, Santa Monica, and we, we service Malibu also, our territory is Santa Monica and Malibu. But you can walk around Santa Monica primarily and ask anyone that lives there, have they ever gone to the college? Do they know someone that's gone to the college? How does the college impact you? And I guarantee you 95% of the individual will have some kind of relationship with the college. Either the child went there, either they, they're part of our um, our music program and they go to, to listen to things that are at our broad stage, uh, taking a class there, they've gone to a, a, a talk there, a seminar, they've utilized it for a luncheon. It is a fabric, and I hope most community colleges like this, it is a gem in our community. I'm not just saying it because it's on where I'm the trustee board. Our community um, loves our college, and although they have always felt that we should, many of them in the community feel that we should really cater as much as we can to Santa Monica residents, mm -hmm. and which we do in students, they love the fact that the college is here and it's part of the community. Um, you know, we have it's one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven campuses, okay? People don't realize that we're opening up one in Malibu. We just opened up our early childhood center, uh, tutorial center, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So we've, you know, we've been very successful. 
We've been very successful with our bonds. Um, so that is the first aspect. We also were one of the top, if not the top school in, in California with our international and our out-of-state population. I think that's a number that we've had for a long time. Mm -hmm. Affected us drastically during COVID. Um, and we're hoping to get it back. Lost an awful lot of revenues there. But what it does, it allows for those individuals from out of the state and out of the country to be the, uh, the vehicle to go into our UCs and our Cal States. I mean, UCLA is a big area where our students go to and also to SC. And so that's been that's been the, the journey for students that come out of state um, to, to get into our four-year schools. Um, the other thing I think we'll realize about Santa Monica College is that we're one of the few colleges that has an emeritus program. We have mm. a program that is funded by the college, actually, uh -huh. for our older adults. We actually have, last I knew, we had three or four students that were over 100. Wow. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's in a program just for our mature I call our mature adults. I don't want to say senior adults. And we have classes and they are vocal at our board meetings when they, they want to see a change. We've got, uh, you know, a number of, you know, individuals primarily that are retired taking right. classes at our, at our emeritus program. So I'm very proud of that. And I, I don't know. I mean, you might know that. I don't know how many community colleges have an emeritus program. Well, I don't know if, the, yeah, right. There's been, the history of the community colleges, right? We we would serve our communities certainly, and then of course state funding for those courses uh, halted, except for a few exceptions. And I I do think that has created some real issues, especially in certain communities where you have, um, you know, educated people who want to continue to learn, and so that's been a tough thing. So I don't know. I, I don't know a particular, you know, an emeritus program, which sounds like a wonderful idea and a way to approach it. But I think all of our colleges, at some level, do still try to provide okay. for the communities and seniors. But it sounds like a really innovative uh, way that you're approaching that. I, I love it. We, you know, obviously during budget cuts, we always looked at what we might do with the program, and. Our community gets very vocal if we think we're going to <laughs> anyway. So it's not, it's not so. And you know what? I, I appreciate it. I've been down there to some of the, the art history classes and some of the, and, and, you, and you, you get such an incredible amount of discussion from incredibly bright people. I mean, retired, you know, retired uh, pilots, retired school teachers, individuals that have worked in the, you know, in the science industry that are retired and want to just take a class, just want to be somewhere to socialize with someone. That is a, that's a gem for us. And I talk about it a lot because I, I, I do, I do love it. And uh, We are, as I told you, we are building a campus in Malibu. Um, it should be ready by the, by the fall of 2023. Wonderful. Um, and we, we have uh, partnered with the county sheriff's department. Malibu doesn't have a sheriff's department in their city. So we're attaching our campus to the sheriff's office. Mm -hmm. And they will have a, 
a platform for their helicopters to go down, but we've got classrooms and uh, a lab, which will not only, and we haven't talked about how we're going to staff and what courses we're going to, we haven't gotten to that level yet, uh-huh. but, um, but we are talking with the community about how they'll be able to utilize it. You know, Malibu the past couple of years had some major fires. Right. And having the sheriff's office and having a place where they can have a holding for, you know, for support services yeah. is a major issue in Malibu. Oh, that makes sense. And we we met those needs with that. Wonderful. So it's great. You know, see, we don't, so that part of the community, you don't listen to that stuff about community college, but we were able to do that too. Oh, that's exciting. So that must yeah. feel very gratifying as a board member when you yeah. you get to work on develop and see these kinds of changes come to fruition where you're yeah. you're transforming uh areas and and situate uh, uh opportunities for people so that's wonderful so, so c- let me ask you this so you've been a trustee for for a while over a decade uh, at Santa Monica now you're at the at the state we're very happy that you're at the state level uh statewide board at the league on the trustee board um so what would you say if, if there were any trustees who are just starting uh, this year, what, what makes for an effective trustee? What kind of advice would you give for, for community college trustees who are just starting out? Be an amazing listener. Be an amazing listener and really understand that um, from the dais, you learn so much. So don't, you know, everyone goes in wanting to, to make changes, do whatever they can to, to push their particular agenda based on what they, their observations are in the beginning. And not to say that they're not good ideas and good observations. Mm-hmm. But what I have found, and um, I had an incredible mentor with Louise Jaffe, who was on the board and also was the actual chair of the Triple CT board. But I think you that you will we'll learn a lot by listening and really understanding the culture in your community college and then understand how how to move policies and move agendas that are collective. Um, you can't stand alone. You've got to be able to stand within. And that's how that's that's how I that, that's how I believe you can be successful. Um, you know, I have my own ideas about how I'd like to see things happen, but it's really a lot easier when I have a group behind me thinking the same way. And that is, um, that's what I find, and particularly at the state level now, because, you know, Larry, I'm, and I'm not just saying this because this is the interview with you. It's incredibly, you know, from the dais on your own college campus, you are focused on what's going on your campus. But then when you sit at the state level and you get to meet other uh, community college trustees from other areas of our country, other our state, and we're very fortunate in California because we have a little bit of everything in our state. Yeah. Then you begin to you begin to understand how effective we can be as a state board when we um, have an issue that we are collectively behind. Because the state is so huge, it's so diverse. There are so many different 
uh, interest groups that need different things, that the only way we're going to be successful is to be collective in what we do. And so that's what happens at the state law, at state level. And, um, you know, being being on the triple CT board that I've been on for two years. And I'm fortunate, you know, I, I got onto the board January and March, you know, COVID hit. So I, I didn't have the opportunity to network as much as I could with some of our triple CT boards. And I'm so glad we're now going to be back maybe live again so that we can meet. I, um, one of the things that Louise told me when I first came on, and I, I've taken heed to this, is she said, go to every convention, every meeting with the with trustees of other other trustees of other community colleges state that you can give to. And mm-hmm. the reason for that is you'll become a better trustee on your own dais when you start uh, start listening and start working with and start having relationships with trustees around the state because you learn so much. And, you know, I took heed to that. Um, no matter what I'm doing, I try to make our, our alleged conferences or our, our seminars. I, that is something that I think is, is vital. Um, it, in, as I've done it over the years, and I'm not saying all trustees, you know, learn that way. But for me, mm-hmm. it gives me a better perspective when I go back to my community college campus as to what we're doing, being able to measure things. Because mm-hmm. everything that we do on the campus is based on measurements and based on, you know, how effective we're being meeting these particular goals or priorities. When you first come onto a trustee board or come onto a school board or any board that way, you don't have you don't have the attitude to understand those metrics and how we get there. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a that's important. That's a lot to to contemplate. It makes a great deal of sense. I'm biased, but I agree with you and and am very pleased that at least right now we are, you know, we had our we had our trustee conference and I'm <laughs> pleased that you were you were there. And there's nothing that that beats those conversations with fellow trustees, even if your districts are completely distinct and different and and I think they always are you it's it it's often insightful into your own district because uh, we think by comparison and to learn about what they're doing at Palomar and what they're not doing and what you might be doing it's just it's very powerful. Yeah, it is, and you get relationships. I mean, you're able to, you know, I was uh, three weeks ago prior to our prior to our conference, I was up in Santa Rosa, up in wine country, just for the weekend. My first reaction is I want to go over and see the community college of Santa Rosa. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I want to go see what yeah. they're doing. I mean, that, you know, wherever I'm at, I want, you know, I want to go ahead and check out that, that their campus. All right. What, what's going on. And, you know, we, we, those kind of relationships, we, you know, Larry, you've done a great job. Uh, be able to know that, you know, of these 116, you know, different uh, colleges and that we can, uh, you go to each one and they, they're distinct. They're distinct yes. in what they, they want to do. They're distinct in their population. Their, their issues may not be the issues that are at Santa Monica College, but overall, we come together to find issues that affect each of us positively. That's, that, I mean, come on, man. 
<laughs> that's, 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 yeah. the, that's the great part of what we do. Yeah. And so that's why I get excited about it. I mean, we're, you know, I have been one of the one of the trustees that have been pushing for housing from the time I came on as a trustee board. I've been mm-hmm. vocal about it. Mm-hmm. I felt that it was a need that we weren't uh, serving that from a financial standpoint mm-hmm. and also from uh, an ability to keep our students engaged, that that resource needed to happen. And uh, I got a little pushback as, you know, when I first came on the board with that conversation, sure. here we are 11 years from now, and we're talking about putting a bond on this November to build housing at our community college. And so, Fantastic. Me, you know, we went out and got got the, the little state funding to do our do our little study about it. It looks like it's coming back. And, you know, I am, you know, over the moon. But as I said, it took it took 11 years of discussion and need to show that this was something there. And I don't know how long it's going to take to be built if we can do it. But I feel that I've accomplished something. I do. I feel like I've accomplished something. Yeah. And that's something that will live on for for well, decades. Yeah. Lives. Um, and in that 11 years, I wonder how many lives your son has saved. Oh, man, I can't tell you. <laughs> I've watched him, you know, rescue, you know, five, six people in one day. So I've said, wow. all right, yeah. So I've watched him. And, and, you know, Larry, you know this, you know, you know how many community college, when you came on, at, you know, in your position, had, had housing. It was probably less than 10. It was probably yeah. less than 10, wasn't it? About, yeah. Maybe about. But, okay. Well, you know what? Before you leave, hopefully, we're going to see a few more. We're going to see where that's that's the trend. Oh, I think that's going to double, triple, quadruple. Yeah, I, because the need is there. The yeah. need is there. And then, I, as I said to many people, can you imagine if we had housing during the pandemic? Maybe we might not have lost so many people that they were able to stay in their room and do the virtual. I mean, I mean, we, 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 we I, I mean, I'm just guessing. Yeah. Anyway, but do you realize we might not have if they said, you know, what, we got a place, we'll secure it, we'll tighten everything up, only the students can get in, we'll do whatever it needs to, you know, get them their shots, and but you can have your classrooms right sitting in there. So it only took 11 years for people to catch up. You, you were. A decade ahead of everybody, but it is exciting that that this is happening. It's it's really yeah. significant. So. Okay, and it's not you know I've had people say, well, this is not what the college's wheelhouse is, and I get it. I mean, we we can find people that know how to do this and partner with them and do those kind of things to make it successful. But I do believe it's another way, as I told you earlier, where we're meeting the students where their needs are the greatest. Yep. Okay. And uh, hopefully that's the way of the world. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why, that's why I uh, play my song, man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, Barry Snell, trustee from Santa Monica College and, and trustee board member at the league. Thank you so much for spending a little time and no problem for all your tremendous work and, and leadership. Thank you, Larry. I enjoy working with you, man. Thank you for listening. 
Be sure to join us for the next Leading Community Colleges in California podcast for more inspiring conversations with California community college leaders on their own professional and personal journeys and on the most significant and challenging issues confronting leaders in higher education today.